0: We're continuing our uh, series, I Dare You, uh, today. It's important, uh, yes, er, uh, on f- Saturday, was that yesterday? The days are a blur. Yesterday, uh, during Alice's soccer game, I was uh, walking around with uh, Soren, who's two and a half, and Olivia, who's seven, and uh, that's their their siblings, and then their cousin, Peyton, who's 12, 11, how old? 11, 11 and uh, we were walking around and Soren found a big hill that he wanted to go down and Olivia just wasn't having it like it was too dangerous um, and I was like Olivia you know when I was a kid like we got, we got bloody all the time like our, care, our parents didn't care about us they let us do whatever we wanted they basically you got home from school you just ran outside for hours with no supervision the closest thing to supervision was my friend Scott and how much older are you than me? Two weeks. It's dangerous. And I said, honey, I, I think, I, I get the sense that our culture has gone to a place where we, we're, we're valuing safety so much that people are scared all the time. Um, that there's a lack of courage in our culture. It's, it's, it's gotten to be a bit worrisome to me. That, like, there's just no risk anymore. And that's very not like the Bible. The Bible is very much about courage. Courage is an important Thing throughout scripture, and we're seeing that uh, in this series. And so today we're gonna uh, meet Barnabas. Who, uh, who has a special type of courage that I hope, um, you'll be, uh, inspired by today. So we're gonna be bouncing around. If you're following along on your, uh, your phones or your tablets or the analog Bible in the pew in front of you, uh, we're gonna be in Acts today and we're gonna jump, we're gonna be in Acts 4, 9, 11, and 15. We're just gonna get the, all the, the, the spots where we see Barnabas and we're gonna see what kind of courage, uh, he has and inspires. So let's, uh, let's jump in. This is Acts 4. Um, There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the nickname Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet couple things to note there. A Levite means that he was uh, in the, the priestly line of, of Jewish people, but he was also living not in, in, uh, in, in Israel. He was, he was from Cyprus. So he's a Jewish person living outside in, in Cyprus, and uh, he's known by everyone as, as Barnabas, not Joseph, which means, uh, according to Luke, son of encouragement. Now that's not entirely uh, accurate. Um, Luke's doing a little jump there. Uh, Barnabas uh, in Hebrew Aramaic is bar, son of, and nabi, nabi, which is prophet. So literally um, in Aramaic of the day, his name means a son of the prophet or prophet's son. But Luke says no. What that means, though, it says it doesn't mean son of a prophet. It means son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. And the reason Luke is saying this is because he's seen, he knows Barnabas. They're actually, they're they're friends. They've gone on, on journeys together. And he knows what Barnabas does. What Barnabas is known for is he's known for finding people and taking them from where they are to where God wants them to be. Barnabas is in the business of human beings. He believes in people and he sees them and he sees, them when he comes to them when they're at point A and, and, and Barnabas walks with them, works with them to get them to point B, the place where God wants them to be. And that is what encouragement is. Encouragement is taking a person here and getting them all the way to where they're supposed to be. And that's what Barnabas does. We're going to see that. And so when, so Luke, he, he says that because that's actually one of the, the works of a prophet, right? One of the things a prophet does is tells the truth about things to get you to know where to go, okay? And so the, the, the nickname then is, is, is that's what Barnabas does, and we're going to see the primary means he does that in this next text. This is from uh, Acts 11, okay? Um, the the news we don't need to worry about, um, but basically, there's people in Antioch who are, who are coming to the Lord. They're coming to believe in Jesus. And this news comes to the church in Jerusalem. And so they send Barnabas, the encouraging guy. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast devotion. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. A great many people were brought to the Lord. And then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to, to Antioch. He's getting more people in there to help with this mission of getting these people where they need to be. So it was, that for an entire year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. So the first thing Barnabas does when he comes to Antioch is he sees all these new believers and they, they, they're, they're not quite sure how to respond. They're, they're, they're brand new baby Christians. In fact, this is the first time that anyone gets called a Christian. They've come to believe in Jesus. They don't know where to go. Barnabas comes and says, here's where you are. Here's where you need to be. You need to remain faithful. Stay steadfast in your devotion. Don't flag. Don't quit. Do you know that uh, over the last year, so the CDC, not only does the CDC give us mask advice, but the CDC also um, has been tracking the effects of the pandemic on the mental health and the emotional health of, of Americans. Um, and what the CDC has found is, like everything else for the last year plus, 14 months now, bad news. Bad, bad news. Basically, um, anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation uh, have all doubled in the last year. Right now, 31% of Americans say that they're dealing with ongoing anxiety and depression. 28% um, say, no, I'm sorry, 31% say they're dealing with anxiety. 28% uh, say depression. And a whopping 18% of Americans surveyed, have, have talked about suicidal ideation for, for a period. And those are like stunning, horrifying statistics. The, all of those things have been increasing um, in, in the last decade. Uh, we, we've seen just a, way more uh, mental health uh, issues um, in the last decade, 15 years. But what was kind of like trending up slowly just exploded in 2020. And we all know this. We know that um, there's a lot of people in our lives who have just been beaten down. You know, the politics, the pandemic, um, the civil unrest, the anger and division and hatred. And what's crazy is that for the first time in history, all of those things have been amplified to us through mass media without ceasing. I mean, it, literally. I mean, not every day, you know, CNN is just pushing the next horror. You know, if it's not the if the pandemic's easing, look out for inflation, right? Um, there just doesn't seem to be an end to this crushing, and it's and it's taking a toll on people. People are exhausted, and I think what uh, what Barnabas recognizes and what, what we need to recognize is that the first thing that, that happens when you come to people who are crushed, who are, who are defeated, is they need to be told what's up. They need to be told the truth, not the bad news. It can be real, like we don't have to sugarcoat it. Right? We, know, we can be honest about the reality, but the, the, truth, the truth doesn't end with the bad news. It gets to the good news. Like Barnabas is there, the Christians in Antioch are like, we don't know what to do, we found Jesus, that's amazing. And he's like, well, let me tell you, that the first thing is faithfulness. Stay with it. A lot of people don't. Be sincere in your devotion. A lot of people don't. And he does it in such a way, he's a wordsmith, he's good with words, so he gets people in their ear, They're like, oh yeah, we can do this. He makes them believe, he leads them into believing that they can get from here to there. First thing you know she says uh, encouragement begins with gracious words. This can be tough for some of you. I'm a talker. I'm always saying things like you're the best. People are like, "Oh." It's funny. It's funny how how words do affect people. <laughs> you're like I I mean and and for me I'm just trying to like make the conversation less awkward and so I found that if you If you like, you know, tell people that they're awesome. They're like, "Oh, this is a good conversation. We're enjoying this." It's like, it's not that I don't mean it. I do. Like, I really do think you're awesome. I'm just the gracious words are the. It's it's like the it's the basis for encouragement, right? It's where encouragement starts. Um, But the thing is, though, encouragement doesn't. It's not reduced to words. And we actually think that we tend to think that um, what we're what we're supposed to do to people is when they're down, we're supposed to say the right thing to them, and then they're gonna, you know, well, a lot of times there are no right words. A lot of times the words uh, don't help at all. In fact, they're counterproductive. But Barnabas isn't. He, his words are different than uh, maybe the words that we're used to. Okay, his words, um, and, and we're gonna see why his his words have something more to them than just like, hey, out of boy. You're the best. Man, I am so happy. Christian, I love it when you do sound, man. I mean, what are you, 18, 17? 17, and he's amazing at sound. I'm like, jeez, I'm 40. And I can't even, I can't turn that thing on. It's true, I go up there, ah! I don't want to learn either. Someone will be like, how do you do this? I'm like, no thanks. But see, the, the, I mean, hopefully, Christian, I, I do mean that, and I, and I believe that, and I, I do love that you're, like, apprenticing and doing that. Other kids, if you want to be up in the skybox, we encourage that. Brady, great job. Um, we want to see you guys involved. Um, but, but but, words aren't always enough. Now, look at Barnabas, though. Look at Barnabas. So let's go back, and let's uh, see how, how, what, what accompanies Barnabas's words. All right, he's the native of Cyprus, he's Joseph, he's called the son of encouragement. Oh, by the way, he sold the field that belonged to him, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. There might be uh, something here, because he's a Levite, um, priestly, uh, descendants of the priesthood in Israel weren't supposed to own land, they were supposed to be supported um, by uh, those who, you know, kind of like pastors, right, like they were supposed to be paid by the People of the synagogue, whatever. So it might be, it might be that before, um, Barnabas uh, meets Jesus, he might have been kind of a a miser. It's possible that maybe he, um, was doing things he shouldn't be doing by owning this land. Uh, Maybe not. We don't really know. But one thing we know for sure is that when Jesus comes and invades his life, he's encouraging people. He's telling them what to do. He's getting them from here. And then what does he do? The poor in Jerusalem, he's at the Jerusalem church at this point. The poor in Jerusalem are, there's tons of them, and they all go to the church. They're all in need. And Barnabas goes up to him, and he's like, Jesus loves you. Jesus can save you. Jesus is going to bring amazing things into your life. And they're like, that's awesome. I'm so hungry. And so then he goes, and he sells his land, and he gives the money to make sure that his words are backed up with action. This is Howard Rubenstein. He, he died in, uh, on December 29th of 2020. If you're not familiar with Howard Rubenstein, he uh, liked to stay behind the scenes, um, but he was uh, the the king and the progenitor of PR in the United States of America. PR, public relations, right? Public rela- he was a PR strategist. In fact, he uh, began working with Donald Trump, uh, interestingly, in the 80s to help him you know, craft his image. Uh, he worked with Mayor Giuliani. Uh, pretty much any famous person in New York City at one point or another has hired this dude. Because when you make a mistake, you screw up as like a celebrity or a politician or a CEO, you have, to, you have to cover your tracks, you have to make people think that you're much better than you are. And in order to do that, you go to Howard. Uh, Howard invented um, the PR statement. Uh, he, he was 88 when he died, so he's been doing this since like uh, the, the, the 50s. Um, he invented the PR statement where the, the politician or the celebrity or the CEO goes up and reads like... We are flabbergasted that this could have happened. Um, I take full responsibility for the destruction. Um, This will not happen again. We have nothing but compassion uh, for the people who've been affected by this, and we are going to do everything in our power to make sure it never happens again. Everyone's like, oh, thank you. And And then the CEO goes back to living his life as though nothing happened at all. He's not fired. Doesn't resign. The politician comes out. He's like, oh, I, I, I stepped in it again. I'm so sorry. I, uh, I just, I just don't know. I, uh, uh, my wife means everything to me, and, and my family means everything to me. And I don't know how this could have happened for the fourth or fifth time. <laughs> and. I just want you to know that I'm going to be retreating for a couple of weeks to work on me um, and to see. He invented that. Then he invented the next move. So you give the statement, and then you retreat. Retreat, but do not surrender. So you make the statement, then you disappear from public life for a while until it blows over because mass media can't pay attention to anything for more than 14 seconds. And then you just go back to And what's happened? What's happened is that now, when anyone releases a statement, because a guy's like Howard Rubinstein, I'm sure he was a very nice human being, but he did do some serious damage to our culture. Now we don't believe anything anymore. Because we know that there's never any accountability, no one ever goes to jail. We know that the words are just words, they're cheap. Anyone can sit up there and hire a guy like Howard who's mellifluous, who can tell a tale, who can hit all of the buzzwords compassion empathy and, and 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 we know that there's nothing behind it Barnabas gets up and he says this is who you are this is where you got to be you need cash to make it happen I'm your man He backs up his words with action. His encouragement is credible. It's not like the encouragement we get from our elites and our leaders in our country anymore. It's not like that because there's something that's backing it up where he puts his literally, his money, his property where his mouth is. And he creates credibility. Like saying here, no chiefs. Encouragement becomes gutsy with generosity. And we could abstract and say uh, encouragement becomes gutsy or gains credibility with action. There's a lot of people who can get up with a forked tongue and tell you things that your ears are itching to hear. But there's not a lot of people who will follow through and make sacrifices and give up in order to make it happen. That's not it though. Barnabas isn't—he's not just generous. He's not just, he's not just doing action. Look at the, this guy. Is, he's unreal. This is um, before uh, Saul becomes Paul. If you're familiar uh, with who Saul Paul is, Paul uh, was one of the, the greatest missionaries of the early church, and he and Barnabas actually did a lot of missionary trips. But before he was a missionary, before he was a Christian, Paul was a Christian hunter. He hated Christians. He, he was a very devout Jewish man. He believed that Christians were completely wrong and he spent all of his time and energy hunting down Christians, harassing them, jailing them, sometimes killing them. And then he has this crazy conversion experience where, you know, the, where Jesus appears to him kind of in a, in a vision and then blinds him for a while. And then he goes into seclusion and he's trying to make sense of his life and he comes out realizing Jesus is Lord and his, the new calling on his life is to go preach Jesus. But when he decides to go to Jerusalem and meet the, the apostles and, and join in their mission, what happens? Well, they're all afraid of him. They don't believe he was really a disciple. They think he's a mole. They think he's, been, he's going undercover to rat them out, to destroy them. And then listen this, Barnabas. Barnabas takes him, brings him to the apostles, tells his story to them. You know, how he was on the road, saw the Lord, the Lord spoke to him. How in Damascus he had been speaking boldly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas doesn't know any of this, by the way. Barnabas has been in Jerusalem the whole time. He's just heard this. Barnabas is just looking at this, this guy, you know, Saul, and eventually they're going to start calling him Paul. He's looking at and, and he just, he takes a shot. He takes a shot on, on the outsider. He takes a shot on the guy that no one else wants to touch. The obligatory movie reference. This one's Donnie Brasco. 1997, Johnny Depp, Al Pacino. Anybody? Great film, great film. Underrated. Uh, Donnie Brasco is the story of an FBI agent. This is a true story, by the way. Uh, the guy who is Donnie Brasco is apparently still alive in witness protection. He has a $500,000 outstanding bounty on his head, if anyone can figure out who he is. Because uh, he was an FBI agent who infiltrated the New York mob. And the way he did it was he became friends with this old veteran uh, mobster named Lefty. He, he organized—that's Al Pacino's character— he organized things so that Lefty, you know, takes an interest in him, starts to like him. And then what does Lefty do? He starts introducing him to all the players. And so he's undercover for, like, not quite a decade. Um, but then they, they figure him out, and, uh, and he goes into—he he, he ejects. And, and what happens to Lefty? Sleeping with the fishes. That's what happened to Barnabas. Barnabas vouched for this guy. He took a shot on an outsider, on somebody that no one thought was worth a shot. He saw Saul, Paul, and he said, I see you here. I believe that God's going to take you here. And no one else wants to walk you. I'll walk with you. So the next thing you're no cheats gutsy encouragers trust radically it takes guts it takes guts to put your your reputation on the line to spend your time and resources to take to go with that long shot and trust them and say that God really does have a plan God hasn't given up on this person and God really does see this person going from here to here and God's called you to be a part of it that's gutsy because you've got better things to do with your time. And you've been burned before. Barnabas got burned before, too. This is the last time we see him in Acts, because uh, Luke's, the way Luke tells the story of the early church is he kind of follows Paul, right? And for a long time, Barnabas and Paul are traveling together. But then this happened. Some days uh, later, Paul said to Barnabas, Come, let us return and visit the believers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Let's go check on the churches, see how they're doing. And Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul decided not to take with them the one who had deserted them in Pamphylia and not accompanied them in their work. Uh, Greek therapy. When, the, when, when, when John Mark saw what, was gonna, what it was going to take, in Pamphylia, he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not ready for this. Probably uh, what's going on there is that Paul was ready to suffer and be beat up for the gospel, and probably John Mark wasn't, if we're reading between the lines. Probably John Mark realized that the government in Pamphylia was going to be very hostile, and so John Mark was like, he didn't sign up for this. The disagreement became so sharp, they parted company. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to his hometown, Cyprus. Again, probably what's going on there is, you know, Barnabas is from Cyprus, right? This is his home turf. And so he's probably taking John Mark, kind of like easing him into uh, the work of ministry. And he's doing this after John Mark has let them down. A lot of us are like Paul. You put your time and your trust and your faith in somebody, they screw up. You read between the lines. Uh, you read how Paul talks to the Corinthians in, in Corinthians. Paul Paul was a no nonsense guy. He was black and white. Like if you weren't with him, you were against him, and he had no time, no time for screw ups. Barnabas does. We all know that um, every type of relationship is difficult. Probably the, the most difficult relationship um, that we experience uh, during our lives is, is marriage. Um, if you've been married for any length of time, you know that it can be a little rough. Some, uh, some wisdom from my dad who's asleep. He said once to me, he said, Tom, your marriage doesn't start until the day you wake up and you really don't like the person next to you. Classic Dave Bennett. So, our marriage has never started. I mean, it's just sunshine and roses. Did you know that I wake up with amazing breath? Yeah. It's a true fact. Like, wow, good for me. <laughs> Uh, but, but truthfully, uh, marriages and really friendships, um, relationships between uh, parents and children, colleagues, partners in ministry, every single one of those things is subject to constant failure. Yeah, I mean, Aaron and I, we both believe that, that God's, you know, we're here and God is trying to take us here. And we're trying to do it together, but let's be honest, it's fits and starts. It's three steps forward, two steps back. Turns out, I'm pretty selfish. There have probably been a lot of times where I've broken her trust. She expected this, and I didn't measure up. And in our culture, what our culture says to us is when that happens, well, go find the person who makes you happy. Like, let's end this thing. Come on. But what if I say, honey, I'm sorry, I screwed up. I know that I want to get, I'm not there yet, but will you give me a second chance? Paul said, John, Mark, you, I don't trust you. Barnabas said, come on, let's try again. God's not done with you, Mark. God's not done with you, Tom. God's not done with you, you. And what you need is someone who's going to come alongside you and participate with you and give you second chances when you ask for them. And that takes a lot of guts. Because when someone breaks your trust, when someone fails you, the last thing in the world you want to do is give them another chance. But that's gutsy encouragement. That's the last thing your note cheats. Gutsy encouragers give second chances. Gutsy entr- encouragers, yeah, it, Christian, you're the best at AV, I love you. Yeah, there's words. But that word is grounded in what? It's grounded in actions and generosity. It's followed up by radical trust in people that other people don't trust. Other people think are a waste. And then it's followed up beyond that with when those people who everyone thought was a waste, when they mess up, giving them a second chance. If they're still committed to the ark, if they're still committed to from getting to from A to B, from where they are to where God wants them to say, I'm not giving up on you. I'm going to give you the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the chance, seven times 77 or whatever it is. I'm going to give you every single chance. If you remain in the game, I'm not going to quit on you. And so I dare you. I dare you to become an encourager. And not like a, you're awesome, but a real encourager. And so I got a couple of dares here I'd, I'd like you to take a look at. The first one is I dare you to encourage at a cost. Okay? For some of you, you're like me. It's okay. It's easy to just throw out words, and you can tell people that they're, they're great, and you can mean it. Okay? But that's cheap. That's cheap. That doesn't cost anything. Anyone, if they work at it, can find ways to flatter people. What I'm saying is encourage at a cost. It's truthful, it's real, and there's something behind it that's commitment, that's not just empty words and flowery phrases. And so for Barnabas, there was was three types of things. And so the the next is, I dare you to encourage with generosity. You could say action. And generosity could be not just money. It can be time and resources. One way you can encourage people is to be with them. To invest in them with time. Shout out to uh, Bill and Rachel on the high school team. Not only do they do the Thursday nights... Actually, it's funny, Bill's here every night. Bill never, yeah, but do you sleep here now? Yeah, so on Monday, he does like Zoom CBS in there, so he leads a Bible study, that's Monday night. Tuesday night, you might have off, but he's probably here like fixing the AV. Wednesday night, he comes with junior high uh, youth group, just to make sure that nothing catches on fire. On Thursday night, he does high school youth group. Uh, with Rachel on fr- do you get Fridays off? Oh no, that's what I was gonna talk about. So they- not only did they do a high school, uh, youth group, but, but Rachel and Bill decided, let's go deeper with some of these kids who really seem like they wanna get from here to here. They're- these kids are- they wanna grow, they wanna mature. And so, Bill and Rachel are like, hey, we'll throw in like a Friday night or a Sunday night, and we'll meet with you, and we'll- and we'll try to get to that next level where you wanna be in your faith and your spirituality. That's not money, but men, you only get 24 hours in the day, and when you're balancing, you know, your family and your job and all these things, like, but here's some people who say, I want all in. I dare you to encourage with trust, radical trust. I dare you to find somebody, maybe a couple people, sort of like what Bill and Rachel did, a couple people in your life where you realize that they could really use someone to be with them from getting from here to here. You're a little bit farther on the path than they are. You recognize that they're battling, and it could be with any part of their life. It doesn't have to just be spirituality, um, although spirituality should be integrated. But if you find someone, and you could call it mentoring, you could call it walking with, but find somebody that everyone else has counted out. Everyone else says they suck. And you say, God's got something for you, and I want to be a part of it. And pray and trust that God is going to take that person from A to B. And lastly, when that person fails you, I dare you to encourage with second chances. I'm in the people business, like Barnabas. I know that you guys are basically terrible. <laughs> no, we got that's the, that's the fun. Actually, here everyone's awesome. But occasionally we slip up. Occasionally we break trust. There's people we're doing ministry with that aren't living up to our expectations. There's people that we're working with who aren't pulling their weight. There's people in our family who are not doing what they should be doing. But if they're willing to dust off and try again. Don't quit on them. God doesn't quit on them. And if you don't, you'll get to see the amazing things that God's going to do for them through you. I dare you. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we... Thank you that you're the God of second chances. That our first second chance came through Christ. That you forgave us through him. That that his death paid for our sins, set us free from the rule of death and slavery. And that you have looked at each one of us and said, now that you're mine, I have a place for you to go. A person I desire you to become. I want to transform you into the image of my son, the image of the invisible God. God, I pray that we'll be encouragers here. People who are looking for someone to take from point A to point B. That we won't just just use words, although those too, but that we'll be active and generous, action that we'll trust, that will offer second, third, fourth, fifth chances. That we'll enter into a world that is, that's just driven apart by hatred and anger by cancellations, a total lack of forgiveness, no mercy, no grace, that will be the people who are mercy and our grace. And that we'll get to see what you have for the ones around us. It will be a light of your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.